Hello and welcome, friends, to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, right here on your community radio station. We are Forward Radio WFMP Louisville, broadcasting from here in the historic Hayburn Building, high atop the Hayburn downtown Louisville at 106.5 FM. Uh, and we live stream to the world. Maybe you're on vacation right now listening to us wherever you're having some time off at forwardradio.org. If you're not on our website, why don't you go there and become a part of this community? We really built this station for you. It's radio for the people, by the people. We want to get your voices behind these microphones, whether it's a guest on a program, maybe you want to do a one-time access hour or a weekly program like this. And we also rely entirely on your contributions. This is a listener-supported station, so if you enjoy what you're hearing, you appreciate this kind of programming, you know you can't hear it anywhere else, then click on the donate button, chip in whatever you can. This is a totally affordable community resource. It only takes $20 a day to keep this great radio station going. So uh, go to FordRadio.org and click Donate today. Well, what we do on Sustainability Now each week is bring in folks from around the community who are working on different pieces of the sustainability puzzle. And boy, I don't know why it's taking me so long to get around to this, but recycling, it's the gateway drug to sustainability. And we're finally going to talk about it. Recycling here in Louisville with Karen Maynard. Welcome, Karen. It's good to have you in the studio. Thank you so much for having me. Karen is our public education supervisor in the Department of Public Works Solid Waste Division and Louisville's Waste Management District. You can learn more about what Metro Government does in terms of city services for waste at louisvilleky.gov. Lots of great resources there. Uh, you can also go to a website called nowastelouisville.org, and that's K-N-O-W. Tell us about the No Waste Program. I, astute listeners know that I've mentioned a few things about the No Waste Program on this show before, but tell us about the program and its impact. Ambassadors. Sure, I would love to talk about that. We <laughs> This actually started with me just wanting to figure out a way to get some trivia out to the community. And I used the Nextdoor app and the poll feature. Oh. And so that actually started as No Waste Wednesdays. And I used that to ask a question and, and people could answer with a click of a button. And then I would <laughs> give the answer later. And it's evolved a little bit and actually helped me name the whole education department. So that kind of how started yeah. but uh but yes yeah, so no waste louisville um is it just relates to all the education that we do for solid waste management here in louisville and we also two years ago decided to launch an ambassador program so we call them our no waste ambassadors and we do a special training with some classes and tours and we have some great folks that help us with uh, tabling at festivals or teaching classes or just doing their own thing around town and they just have more background knowledge to help share the message. Right, because people have a lot of questions when it comes to recycling and solid waste. Simply answer some of your questions or at least point you in the right direction today on this show. Uh, my neighbor and former guest on this program, Emily Coleman, is one of the no waste ambassadors. Yes, she yes. loves she loves the program. So you're still recruiting volunteers? Yes. We basically start talking about it a little heavier in the fall, November, December, and then in January and February we do our classes, which are basically a commitment of one and a half to two 
two hours once per week. We've done it virtually because we started during the pandemic okay, and yeah. we'll probably continue to do them virtually just because it's easier and people don't have to drive anywhere. And the only in-person things we would require is to come to our tours and yeah. we get to tour the recycling facility here in Louisville. We've toured the landfill. We've gone to our industrial composting site. So, and even our lovely uh, location on Merriweather, we've toured our ambassadors around, but there's really a lot to talk about when, yeah. when you're seeing where everything goes and where we have lots of drop-off locations for waste. I have had the privilege of doing a tour at the West Rock Recycling Facility, too. So I know how great this is. And, you know, limitations of the medium here on, on the radio, we can only do so much. But I want to give our listeners a basic tour and orientation. What happens when they put their stuff out on the curb, right? There's three different types of things that you put out on your curb. Where does it all go? The landfill waste, the recycling and the yard waste. Yeah, so here in Louisville, services vary based on where you live. So we know that that can be kind of complicated, but yeah. uh, everyone is required to have garbage service. So your garbage goes to a landfill. A lot of it goes to the Outer Loop landfill, but there are several others nearby. And uh, that is not a city-owned thing, right? No, no. Louisville does not own the landfill. Louisville, the Metro's waste collection, you know, Metro pays the tipping fee, just like all the private waste mm -hmm. haulers would have to pay the tipping fee at the landfill. Okay. So that's one and done. It's at the <laughs> landfill. It's gone. It's never uh, seen again. <laughs> yes. Uh, recycling, though, most of Louisville's recycling goes to West Rock Recycling. And from there, it is sorted and processed based. It's separated into all those different commodities, bailed and sold to manufacturers to make more products out of that. So it's like an ingredient for something new. Including West Rock itself, which started out as a container, like a shipping container. Yes. They make cardboard boxes, right? Yes. So we love that, that they have that closed loop for the paper. Yeah. So cardboard and paper all go back to themselves and they continue to make more products. So it's a cycle for them. They, of course, still recycle all the other things like glass and metal and plastic, but, but the paper is kind of their fun claim to fame there, especially pizza boxes. They want all our pizza boxes. That's a question I get a lot. There's a lot of people around the internet like that like to say that pizza boxes are too greasy, but they get so much paper and cardboard that it is a very small amount and it does not contaminate a load of cardboard like some people might yeah, think. So please recycle your cardboard yeah. uh, pizza boxes. And it's going to into this industrial pulper, if you can imagine what that's like. So it's not like, oh, they're just taking this pizza box and giving it back out as it is, right? It is right. getting really heavily processed. Yes, and, and there's of, a lot of things. Mm. People were worried about cartons because there's that waxy coating. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of that has changed in the recent years on the paper mill side. So At least able, here in Louisville. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> paper mills, a lot of paper mills are changing the way they can process the paper. Then in turn, it makes the recycling facilities be able to accept different products. So that, it's like a domino effect, mm -hmm. I guess. And mm -hmm. it, it can happen slowly, and it does depend on where you're at. So mm -hmm. Louisville, I tell people, the recycling is local. So if you really want to know anything, you need to be looking at your own city. Uh, don't just Google it. Right, because there's all this fear about, oh my God, China's not taking our recyclables anymore. Well, the truth was here in Louisville, we weren't shipping much of any of our recyclables right. to China ever. So. Right. It wasn't cost effective to go that far. So it did affect pricing in the markets all around, but that is coming back. So that's good news on the recycling front if you pay attention to numbers like that. So that's the recycling. And there is a Rumpke is a facility, a hauler here in town. 
and they have a processing facility also, but it is in Cincinnati. So some, so when they collect their recycling, they actually take it to a transfer station here in town, and eventually it makes its way huh. to Cincinnati to be processed, very similar to what, what they're doing at West Rock. Okay. So you don't have to worry that anything different is happening. It's all being recycled just in a different place. But that means Rumkey's accepted items list is slightly different hmm. because their facility has different markets and different places where the product goes. So I know it's super complicated, but just generally, who would be serviced by Rumkey versus West Rock? If you go outside and look at your cart that you, you put <laughs> things in and it has a Rumkey logo on it, ah. then you're serviced by Rumkey. Okay. <laughs> um, sometimes I think Jefferson Town, it's one of our larger home rule cities. I, they contract with Rumkey and their carts may say J-Town and okay. not Rumkey. But okay. that's something you can look at your website. Usually your own little home rule city website has the specific hauler. But all the other haulers use West Rock here in town. So that's where it gets a little little tricky and I usually only talk about it if it's the item that people are asking me about if it's different for Rumpke I'll say hey just so you know that <laughs> Rumpke doesn't really accept that okay. um, but typically a lot of things are the same so. yeah and um, just to not stray too far off the original question, yard waste, <laughs> if you have that service at the curb, it goes to Smith Creek composting now. There's another caveat with this one. Waste management has its own composting process. Um, they go by WM, but where the landfill is, they also have a, a small site dedicated for industrial composting there. So their material, when they collect it, they take it home to their own place. But everywhere else mostly uses Smith Creek. But either way... Smith Creek's over in southern Indiana, right? It is. They do have a couple places here in town in Louisville that they'll have it dumped there and then they chip it up and take it to Smith Creek in a larger truck. So it's just a little more cost effective for travel. And, and then there they mix it with food waste to make a rich compost that they bag up and sell in your big yes, box stores. Yes, right? that's yeah. true. Smith yeah. Creek is, if you've ever been a part of a organics collection, maybe at a hotel here mm -hmm. in town, you may not even know it actually. But <laughs> if the material is being taken to a compost facility, it's likely Smith Creek and they make soil amendments and mulch and compost and it gets sold back to the community often with most of the time it doesn't have their name on it so you right. never know <laughs> i know i've bought i buy mulch for my house and i've asked over there before like do you, do you sell to them and so it's like yes yeah. oh cool okay <laughs> so i know where it came from <laughs> so there's many reasons for us not to put things in landfills and i would say some of those reasons are probably more important than the one i'm about to mention but a big concern of people is oh my god we're running out of landfill space we just don't have, there's, there is no way to throw things, right? So we're running out of space to put it. Is that really the case here in Louisville? I wouldn't say that we are literally running out of landfill space, but I would say that we aren't running out of landfill space because of what we've been doing over the years, especially when recycling program was started here. So uh, I always think of it as um, the same as like when we were younger and we heard that the rainforest was disappearing. Yeah. Well, it's still here, but it's very <laughs> important that we do uh, extra measures to conserve our ecosystems. Uh, so it's the same way with conserving landfill space. You yeah. continue to do the measures it takes to keep things out of it. The landfill themselves, 
takes on measures to make their system even better. So, yeah. it, you know, there's lots of ways that we can conserve the space, but it is important that that's done. Okay. And the state does require the landfill to report their capacity. So every year it doesn't go down incrementally by year that we have less and less. Uh, it hovers between 40 and 50 all the time. It's just, uh, or I can't say all the time since I've been looking at it and uh, it doesn't go down drastically, but that's because we continue to do these efforts to conserve that landfill space. Yeah. Okay. So landfill space, probably not the biggest issue. Why should our listeners care about this? Why should they recycle or compost? Well, it's sometimes hard to get people to understand that when it can often cost a little bit more. Mm. Um, a lot of times when recycling first started, it may have been a, a moneymaker, especially mm. because there maybe weren't facilities like, oh, if you take all your metal over here, you're going to get some cash back. But the sorting, it's a process. And so, yes, we pay for recycling now. And, and some people are turned off by the idea of recycling because of the costs mm. or oh, someone's making money off my stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I always say, well, the landfill's <laughs> making money off your stuff too, yeah. so it doesn't really matter. But recycling actually can offer more jobs in an economy. That's it's right. better for the economy overall. You know, it, it can be really hard to change people's minds, and I find that if someone is already against sustainability and recycling, that there's not much I can really do mm. uh, to change their mind. Mm. So I do my best to make it as easy as possible. And if it's in a situation where we have the ability to change any processes, it's always best for behavior change to make things as simple and easy and get rid of all those barriers uh, that keep people from doing that. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately here in Louisville, sometimes people have to pay that extra $5 on their bill. They say, no, thank you (laughs) to to recycling. But we do offer free drop-off locations all around town. And so, you know, we try to make it maybe takes a little more effort to take your recycling places, but we do try to keep things free when possible or as convenient as possible for people. So if I live in an apartment building and I want to recycle, but for some reason my apartment management company, whatever, doesn't offer the service to us. I can still recycle in Louisville, right? I could still take it to a place. Yes, uh, that is one of those links, louisvilleky.gov slash recycle map. You can actually see where all our drop-off locations are. Some of them are self-service. They're maybe at a fire station or somewhere. It's a random dumpster, but it has the signage on it for you to know what you can put in there. And it is just for recycling. And uh, there's a few around town that are served with staff. You know, they're there to kind of monitor. And things are sorted there a little bit differently because, you know, cardboard is separate. And if, like I said before, it's going to a facility where it is sorted. So if you sort it on site, you may actually get a rebate on that material. So so where we can have staff, it's sorted a little bit more mm-hmm. just to be a little more cost effective. But yeah, there's, I think, about 15 different locations around the county. Okay. I'm speaking today with Karen Maynard, Public Education Supervisor for the Louisville Metro Department of Public Works in the Solid Waste Division. We're talking about what happens when you quote-unquote throw it away today and all the reasons why and convenient ways to recycle or compost. You also do 
pop-up drop-off events, right? Where you, people can yes. recycle not just the normal household recyclables, but all kinds of things. Yeah, so the background about that event, before my time um, with the Public Works Department, uh, they would offer drop-off events at the landfill. And it was once a year, and it was a free day mm-hmm. where you could take anything, especially those hard-to-get-rid-of items like an old ratty couch or something. Right, so right. people would drop it off for free. However, nothing was ever recovered mm. as far as recycling goes. So we decided, first of all, we wanted to bring a program like that back because we believe that that can actually help combat illegal dumping. Yeah, the, more, yeah. the more ways that you offer ways mm-hmm. to get rid of items for free, the mm. more likely people will use that instead of dumping it on the side <laughs> of the road. So so that's, that's a hope. And uh, so we decided to completely revamp that program. And number one, we wanted to move it around the county so it's convenient at some point in the year for everyone. Because this is a monthly event. Yes. And we also wanted to recover as much as possible. So Mm. we have certain categories that you can bring your items in. We've been trying to train citizens to put their items in their vehicle where they're already kind of separated out for easier offloading on site. (laughs) Uh, It it can still be a little tricky because you don't know what order we have the categories. But um, but some people attend every time they get a chance or maybe to the one near their residence. and, And we know we can tell over time that people have gotten used to the idea. We always ask their zip code just so we know where people are coming from. And we ask people what categories they brought. So the categories are you can bring yard waste if it's bundled just like it would be for the curb. We do offer household recycling drop-off. Scrap metal. We do electronics recycling, so up to three electronic devices. And we also do document shredding. Yeah. We've had a little issues with some companies this year, but for the most part, we like to do that. And we also partner with our sheriff's office for prescription medication disposal, right. safe disposal. And then the lastly is the bulky waste. And that's going to be that couch I mentioned earlier. Sure. And that's the only category that literally goes to the landfill. That's amazing. Everything else is recovered. So as long as we have people separating those items out for easy, you know, especially the metal, keeping that scrap metal out of the landfill fill is great. So that's the opportunity there is to recover as much as possible, have those events around town, and we do them March to November. So we skip those winter months. Oh, okay. But, um, <laughs> and that's another good link if you really want to read about that, louisvillekay.gov slash pop-ups. Yes, and I will always be announcing them on our community calendar, too, as a reminder as it moves about the county, so you can stay in touch with that. They're usually on a weekend. And mm-hmm. it's always a Saturday, always 10 to 2. 10 to 2. Yes. Plenty of time to just stop by with your stuff. All right, so that's those are kind of more special eventy things, but day-to-day, I don't know how many people are aware of this thing called the Recycle Coach app. Tell us about that. Yes, we love for people to use the Recycle Coach app. It does a couple things for you. If you live in the Urban Services District and you have waste collection through the city, when you put in your own address, your waste calendar populates. So you can see what day your yard waste and recycling is collected on, your garbage. And especially these days with recycling every other week, sometimes it's it's hard to remember (laughs) which week you're on. So you, you can view it and you can also set reminders. So you'll get maybe a little pop-up notification on your phone, or you can have it set to text you or email you, whatever's most convenient that you know you'll see. 
And um, also our large item collection has um, currently is an announcement-based system, so there's a, a weekend that maybe you could set out some large items at the curb. And so that's the one that people usually ask about. When's my next the large item set paper. out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that's great for if you live in our city service area. I have not partnered with any other haulers or anything yet. I'd like to, uh, mm. to get other calendars on there. But the other thing is the what we call the what goes where search tool. So all you have to do is type in anything and uh, they're categorized a little bit. So you might choose the category and you'll see the best way to dispose of that item in Louisville. So it will say if it's, you know, if you, if it's recyclable or if you should put it in the trash or if we recommend donation and there's a lot of tricky items out there. So I can put very specific Louisville information in there. So, um, so I recommend that instead of just Googling, what should I do with coat hangers or whatever, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, type it into the app and then you'll see what we recommend okay. to do. It's called Recycle Coach. Yes. So that's the name of the app. It doesn't take a whole lot of phone space. People Good. are sometimes worried about that. Okay. I've looked on my own phone and <laughs> it doesn't take up much. And um, all you got to do is set your reminders one time and then you can just use it for the search tool after that. I do put the pop-up events on there or if I ever offer any educational webinars or anything like that, I'll put that on the calendar too. What does happen with solid waste pickups on a week like Labor Day or Memorial Day where there's a there's a holiday? Typically, it creates a one-day delay. So, and that's private waste haulers typically do that too. Some There may be some different holidays here and there that we do things differently. So we always say if you have a private waste hauler and not the city services to double check with them. But for us, you know, if Labor Day is always on a Monday. So if you're like my yard waste and recycling is picked up on a Monday. So it would be Tuesday of that week and it makes everything jump over a day. Okay. All right. Let's talk a little bit about recycling properly. There's so many myths out there and we, we already talked on how it does vary city to city maybe people are coming from all kinds of different places where they where they've been told a million times you you can recycle this or you can't recycle that so um, what what are some of the most common things that come up in your work that people are confused about yeah plastic is a big question and especially these days so many things are made out of plastic anymore yeah. and people are hopeful you know when they ask me they really want <laughs> they me really to say want it's to recyclable because <laughs> People don't want to throw things away. Yeah. The good news is you can't really hurt the system too much with maybe a, a plastic cap, you know, that you just weren't sure. Should yeah. I put it in or not? Yeah. What really hurts the system is more like plastic bags and wrap and anything that tangles up. The last tour I had just last month, there was a VHS tape that oh had Lord. gotten in there and the tape had gotten out and it was, every, you know, blowing in the wind all through. It's, it's kind of an open air building, even though it's covered. So uh, and there was also something that it looked a little bit like a roll of receipt tape uh -huh. and you could watch how it went through the facility. It almost looked like the whole place had gotten teepeed. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of funny, but also sad because... Yeah. 
even though that's paper, it does tear, but yeah. it was still tangly. So it, it, yeah. there's a lot of moving parts at that facility and gears. And right. uh, so I say it's a little bit like when you're vacuuming and maybe you accidentally roll over a shoestring yeah. and it and it wraps it up in there. That's what happens. And so over time, you know, the facility has to clean those gears and they have to cut out the plastic bags and cords and string and things like that. So, uh, so we really recommend don't put anything in that's long and stringy. But if you toured, you would see that there are people right there at the beginning of this process grabbing those things off as best they can. It mm. moves fast, and I can't imagine having to do that yeah. job. But <laughs> they uh, they grab what they can that doesn't belong, and if it is recoverable, they'll recycle it still. It just doesn't. There are certain things that shouldn't go through that line, uh, like a big plastic wrap, like um, if you bought a toilet paper. It's all wrapped in plastic. Yeah. They can actually recycle that. The problem is it just doesn't make it through the process very well and, and catches. So hmm. if they grab it off, they can still recover it, and they want to. Recycling facility wants to recover as much as they can because that's their business. Okay. So, so that's one thing. The other thing is styrofoam. And it is marked usually with a recycling symbol and a number six, which <laughs> is confusing, I know. Um, but it is a foam form of polystyrene. And it doesn't really hurt anything, but the problem is it breaks and sure. it gets everywhere. Yeah. So it just creates litter. Yeah. Uh, you know, even there or in the process through the truck, the large pieces that maybe if you bought a TV or something fragile and it was a block of styrofoam, those just get, you know, if you've ever tried to break it, you know, you have little balls of styrofoam yeah. everywhere. So what a mess. Yeah. So it's, it's really not good to have that at the facility because it creeps into other bales as well, like so, the paper and everything. So what should people do with these plastic films or styrofoam? The best thing to do with plastic wrap and bags is to just take it back to a store. Mm -hmm. Kroger offers it, Target's, Walmart's, Home Depot even, you know, I see the plastic bag recycling drop off at all kinds of stores. So okay. the best thing to do is just keep a bag of them in your pantry or in your car or whatever and just take them every once in a while. And as far as styrofoam, try your best to avoid the takeout containers yeah. that are styrofoam. I know that's hard. Some of my favorite restaurants still mm -hmm, use that, mm -hmm. but that just needs to go in the trash and uh, it's better all around. Just better for everyone if you just go ahead and put it in the trash. And the foam blocks, we do have a facility nearby in New Albany called Foam Fabricators. They will recycle large packing blocks. The clean That's white it. ones. It has to be yeah. clean, no stickers, no tape. Right. And you can only drop it off during their business hours. Yeah. They don't like when people try to leave it because it'll just blow away. Yeah. Okay, so that's plastics. Is there much confusion about the other things, metal, glass, paper, cardboard? Well, we already mentioned pizza boxes. That's always a question. Definitely recycle um, them one or compost more, them. Yes. One more thing about plastic. Uh, people often ask about caps and lids. Uh -huh. um, those are best to be left on. If something very small might not make it through not that recycling through process. System, so yeah. we suggest, you know, squeeze out the air if you can and put the cap back on. Hmm. Some containers are harder to do that, yeah. but put the lid back on. Takeout containers, paper cups even are acceptable. And mm -hmm. uh, sometimes people don't realize that. Or when you eat fast food, you often want to just 
ball it all up in the bag and throw it in the trash. So we find that really a lot of it is recyclable. A lot of it's paper anymore. You know, your kind of main fast food chains, a lot of their materials are mostly paper or mm -hmm. a plastic cup maybe, mm -hmm. but just make sure there's no food still in it. Just throw away your, if you had, you know, leftover bun or something, just throw that away. Yeah. But you can still recycle the paper, even hamburger wraps and things. Mm -hmm. If it's paper, recycle it. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's a lot of plastic to deal with in our world, but that also means that it's a less valuable commodity in terms of, you know, all this yes. stuff's going to be bailed up and sold. And the more valuable stuff is actually things like the cardboard and the metal, right? Mm -hmm. That is true. And anytime, you know, people always ask whether something's recyclable or not, and I will be happy to share that information. But the bottom line is try to reduce your waste to begin with. Yes. So, you know, I'll try to remember to bring my own cup to a coffee shop if I'm going. Things right. like that. Just that one little bit of single-use plastic. Uh, bring your bags to the grocery store. Uh, there's lots of ways just in it, you might not feel like you're making too much of a difference, but, <laughs> uh, but if everybody did that, then it would make a big difference. So Absolutely. go for it, you know, try to reduce that single use plastic or, uh, do a, a little bit of your own waste audit at your house. Just take a minute to look at what you're throwing away yeah. and see if there's a different product you could buy. Maybe that is recyclable or, uh, maybe it's a product that you could own and not have to buy a disposable option. Option. I love it. You know, if you're the ho household that likes to use paper plates just because they're easier, mm, you know, you might you might decide it's not too bad to wash a few dishes. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking today with Karen Maynard. She's our public education supervisor for the Department of Public Works and the Solid Waste Division. And we are talking about how to know your waste, K-N-O-W, wastelouisville.org. Or you can also find more information at louisvilleky.gov. We heard about louisvilleky.gov slash recycle map if you want to find out where you can do some of this dropping off if you're in a household that doesn't have curbside service. Any other last things, thoughts uh, about recycling properly that we didn't get to cover? Well, I think it's important to just use that app if you're not sure if okay. you have something new, you know, new kind of packaging or something, you know, take a look. People ask me all the time. I'm happy yeah. to answer emails yeah. or whatever. Good. People find me on Nextdoor all the time. Um, and I'm always happy to help. And actually, I use those questions for my No Waste Wednesday trivia. Yeah, so if fun. I get a question, I think, oh, that's a good one. Or I maybe have to ask. <laughs> the facility to be sure then i'll use it later in a yeah. post so yeah that's the main idea is don't okay. be afraid to ask okay. uh you know we put on our materials the basics yeah but we know there's a lot more material out there well i think the whole pizza box confusion points to another confusion about like how clean does my item need to be if i want to recycle it and the truth is you know, yes, a full bottle of liquid is going to be problematic. Yeah. It probably wouldn't ruin things, but it's going to be problematic for our recycling sorters. But, you know, that tiny little film of yogurt on the yogurt cup, you know, don't worry. Don't obsess about those things, right? Right, right. And <laughs> a lot of people want to rinse or wash recyclables. And I'm not going to tell them don't do that. But if someone might throw it not away to, because they don't have time right yeah. or think they have to and they get turned off by that idea yeah. and say well i'm not going to recycle at all that's no reason to not recycle they the facility west rock they will tell you get the last serving out you know if you're eating your yogurt and you've scraped all that you want to eat because 
I mean, it's really good. You're eating it. <laughs> Try to eat it all. But then it's ready to go. Yeah. Uh, same with liquid. If you, you know, your ice melted, just pour it out before you put it in the recycling container. But things don't have to be squeaky clean. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it'll be okay. It's not reuse. It is recycling. Yes. It will be industrially <laughs> processed. That's true. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about some of those harder to dispose of items. We talked about the junk pickup and the mm-hmm. large items. Items. So I think I think that's pretty clear for what people should do. What about things that might be toxic, like batteries? Yes, batteries is a big question. And people often ask without really telling me what kind of battery they have. Mm. So we have a page on our website about batteries specifically. And it kind of goes through some questions. What kind of battery do you have? So when you're talking just household alkaline batteries, like what maybe came in your remote control. Right. That is technically safe for landfill disposal, um, environmentally safe. But we do offer free recycling if you were to collect. We would suggest collecting a lot so you don't drive around town all the time. But but if you collect them, you can bring those to our household hazardous waste drop-off site. We call it has-been. Uh, H-A-Z-B-I-N has been. And and that's on Grade Lane. So, okay. you know, it may not be the most convenient location. So we do ask, you might as well store up some stuff or ask neighbors, you know, yeah. and make one trip. Yeah. But they would accept those household batteries. Plus some other things, right? They do accept a lot of things. There's a whole list at louisvilleky.gov slash has been. H-A-Z-B-I-N. There's a list of what they take. And you just have to be a Jefferson County resident to go there. And there's really no limit or anything except for maybe quantities of liquid. I think it's usually like a five-gallon limit. But uh, oil, motor oil, um, maybe insecticides or something. Often it seems people help clean out someone's garage. And who knows what's there. Or maybe it's so old you wouldn't even want to use it. So someone's trying to dispose of it properly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fluorescent light bulbs are another big one that you can take there. The stores like Lowe's or Home Depot, they'll take those compact fluorescent light bulbs but they don't really have a drop-off spot for those big long tube lights so mm-hmm. you can take those to the has-been for safe disposal since there's mercury inside those and back to the batteries the hardware stores will also take batteries like from a power tool uh, oh, those yeah. are lithium batteries and they can spark fires so we it's really a big deal to not put those in the trash or recycling because through the process and being around the other materials they that's the cause of a lot of fires either in a truck or at right. a facility so uh, so definitely recycle those rechargeable batteries correctly and and like I said oftentimes hardware stores will take them if it's more convenient or the batteries plus stores uh, they accept a lot of things for free they'll take those household alkaline batteries too but they'll charge you okay so the one free place for those is the has been the has been okay mm-hmm. now what about if i'm doing some home uh, reconstruction i'm building a wall outside or something i got this construction debris mm-hmm. i'm not supposed to put that in my landfill trash can right technically no it's it's not really made for that because often you have a lot of it 
and mm-hmm. it's going to spill over and it's going to be heavy. heavy yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's the main thing. Keep those garbage carts from being overly heavy because that's what makes them break yeah. it when their truck is lifting it. So definitely keep that out. But, you know, if you're just doing a little home improvement or have a piece of rotted wood, I mean, there's no reason that you okay. can't toss that into your garbage. Okay. That's where it's going to go anyway. If you have clean wood, maybe a pallet. Yeah. Uh, we do take those at our pop-up drop-offs into the yard waste. Nice. So that could actually be composted if you nice. had a wooden pallet. Okay. Although a lot of people take those for crafts. I always suggest, especially for strange random things, even bricks, you know, I say post it on Nextdoor or some neighborhood app or just ask around because oftentimes people will take that, yeah. uh, especially if it's free. Yeah. And, um, and then they'll come get it for you and you yeah. don't have to move it yourself. But yes, we, we always suggest offering things up for free. There's a lot of sites. There's some Facebook pages. Buy nothing Facebook mm-hmm. page. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. on Nextdoor, on the for sale page, you can list something for free. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, and that's nice because it's a little bit more local. But yeah, always try to get something picked up by giving it away <laughs> for free. <laughs> okay. You mentioned illegal dumping earlier. Certainly continues to be a challenge in our city. I guess two two big questions is what this what is the city doing to try and combat it and then what can citizens do to help combat it or man I've got I find I've had someone illegally dump on my property. What mm. what do I do? Yes, and it, it is a bummer, you know, just like getting your bike stolen or yeah. something. You know, it's a bummer <laughs> when something happens. But there are processes that we go through, especially if something happens right on your property. You want to report, okay. of course, if anything has been illegally dumped. But when it is on your property, if there's no evidence of who did that, it is still going to be your responsibility to dispose of wow. that. So, so that's kind of tricky. Uh, wow. Often now, people have security cameras and people will share ring videos and things with us and we can use that oh wow so we have two different things that you can report you would use 311 if you just notice a site that has been dumped on okay. you can report that like hey there's somebody dumped here i want to report it's that public property yeah, private yeah, property could be somewhere you were just driving and yeah. you saw it okay however if you witness it happening or if you have a picture or anything like that there's a separate form and we keep it on our website louisvilleky.gov slash illegal dumping. So you can click on that and, and share that with our team and they can use that information to try to find that person. Mm. Now, we do have an ordinance that allows our enforcement team to impound vehicles used for illegal dumping. Oh, wow. So when someone is caught, they would get a citation. They have cleanup fees. They will have an impound fee if they want their vehicle back. And it usually totals to about $1,000 at the minimum. So we really think that helps. Not every city has the ability to really prosecute in any way. Mm. So, um, So that's our big thing. We do the impounds. I partner with the enforcement team. I share on social media when we've done an impound or if we're looking for someone that maybe we didn't get a good picture of their license plate but we got a good picture of the vehicle that's distinct or maybe the actual person we'll ask the community for help and Mm. people 
step up and they often help us. Uh, We just actually did that yesterday. (laughs) But yes, when we do an impound, we do like to share that. But not only for people just to know, hey, the city is doing something about this, but also hopefully for people that are thinking about doing that, that maybe they see. (laughs) Yeah, think twice about that. (laughs) But we do say, you know, if you have property, you probably want to keep it cleaned up as far as brush and uh, lit well. It's like you want to take away the good opportunities for dumping. It does happen in vacant lots, things like that. We know our enforcement team has about 80 cameras. They move them around, they watch them. And sometimes it doesn't take any help from the community at all. We just catch catch it on camera and then we do the impound from there. Okay. Well, I see we're running out of time. I knew this would happen. Um, But the one thing we really haven't spent too much time on, and I would love to end with this, is, is on backyard composting. For me, the reason to keep stuff out of the landfill is that those organics, whether it's your food scraps or your paper or cardboard, in a landfill, in an anaerobic environment, it's going to be turned into methane. And it's going to get released to the atmosphere and accelerate the global warming crisis. And it could be such a great, valuable resource for your home and garden, right? So I know the city is doing some things to promote backyard composting. Tell us about the earth machines, for instance, that are available. Yeah, so we do have backyard composters. It's the earth machine brand. So you can Google that if you want to see what it looks like. But we offer those at a truckload sale price. So we bought a whole bunch, you know, so the price was a little bit cheaper. And then we just sell it at cost to any resident. We bought rain barrels at the same time. A lot of people who are into gardening are also like the idea of collecting rainwater for their garden and then we have some accessories for sale as well so on our website you could fill out a form that just helps us know that you're interested in buying one and you would tell us what day you're planning to come in to Mm -hmm. our office on Meriwether and we just have it ready for you so it's pretty simple Um, you would pay for it with a check but that's probably the most complicated part about yeah, it. Yeah, right. How to pay for it. <laughs> how to use a check. But yes, we we love having those available. And in the past, we haven't really in the most recent months, but we've done composting workshops oh, just good. to talk to residents that are maybe thinking about composting, aren't yeah. so sure, or maybe you have a backyard compost bin and you're not sure if you're what you're doing everything right. So it, it's important information for all, whether you're experienced or not. Yeah. Um, there's it's kind of a a little bit of trial and error. I have a compost bin at home, and right now I'd say I don't tend to it all that much, which basically just means it's not going to make your compost very fast. Oh, I'm right, not in a right. rush, though. Yeah, some so people that's are okay. really wanting to yeah, turn but if it. You're, and, yeah, if you're yeah. always out there turning it, it just means you're going to get your compost Quicker. a lot faster that, yeah. that you can add to your garden. Yeah. I think the fundamental advice from, from my experience with it is to just try and balance equal parts brown materials that are carbon rich like leaves or paper or cardboard with your green your wet materials like your food waste if you just fill the bin with your food waste it's It's, probably going to stink it's going to be gross it's not going to be balanced Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not going to make a good compost yes i mulch up leaves in the fall and and keep them in a like a plastic garbage can and i keep that for the rest of the year and so when i do bring out my food scraps i just grab a handful of the mulch leaves too and that helped. That's kind of an easy way. Sure. That's like that barrier as far as, oh my gosh, what do I do? I don't have any browns to put in right now. Oh, so right, right. Um, so try to help yourself out by collecting it and just holding it for later. Yeah. Well, and I think we were talking about like the soiled napkins and takeout bags mm-hmm. and stuff. Like people think of that as yucky. I want to landfill that. I can't recycle it. But that's a perfect compost, right? That is your balance, your carbon rich stuff mm-hmm. right there. Napkins 
so yeah. even like paper toilet plates. paper tubes yeah, and, yeah, all and, that stuff yeah so many ways we can <laughs> we can stay on top of this and obviously the most important thing you mentioned it just try and think about ways to reduce your waste production in the first place then that's less work for you to figure out what to do with it less yep. work for the city to figure <laughs> out how to handle it right yeah. cheaper for everybody you're going to save money uh so those are the most important steps to take but then obviously we want to recycle right we want to compost so thank you karen for coming today and helping us figure this out a little bit yeah no problem thanks for having me <laughs> it's great and check out i'll put links to the, all of the resources you mentioned in the show notes of the podcast version of this program that folks can find at forwardradio.org all right stay tuned everybody coming up in just a second i got your community action calendar with all kinds of ideas about how to get engaged with sustainability this week so stay tuned my friends Time in August feels like we're gonna melt away. And I've been working all the time, and I need some holiday. Watching all the clouds roll in, I'm dreaming of another place. There's one thing I know for sure, it feels like rain Give me that sweet, sweet summer rain Come and wash away my blues again That sweet, sweet summer rain Yeah, yeah, come and take And we are back here on Sustainability Now. I hope you've got your calendars out and you are ready to take action for sustainability. This could be the week, my friends, to get engaged and make it a reality here in town. Coming up Tuesday, August 9th, in the evening, it's a Streets for People car-free happy hour at 8 p.m. out at Gravely Brewing Company, 514 Baxter Avenue. Streets for People is hosting these monthly meetups at various establishments around town on the second Tuesday of every month at 8 p.m. There's no agenda. We're just getting together to get to know one another and build the car-free urbanist community necessary to reclaim our streets from the violent tyranny of the private automobile. For this month, we've invited representatives from KIPTA to chat with us about their regional planning efforts. We'll be talking a bit about how different municipalities in the region use federal funds to achieve their local priorities. We'll also be asking why southern Indiana towns have proven so adept at trail building and streetscape projects while Kentucky communities lag behind. You can learn more at twitter.com slash streets, the number four peeps. And future dates are September 13th and October 11th, but come on out this Tuesday the 9th at 8 p.m. at Gravely. On Wednesday, August 10th, there'll be a stand-up for the Ohio River Louisville Listening Session, 6.30 to 8 p.m. out at the Community Boathouse on Waterfront Park at 1321 River Road. 
What water pollution problems are you most concerned about in your community and in Kentucky? What solutions ought to be prioritized? Well, join us from 6.30 to 8 on Wednesday at the Louisville Community Boathouse to make sure your voice is heard. Help set priorities to clean up and restore the Ohio River, its tributaries, and surrounding habitats. We have a once-in-a-generation opportunity to stand up for the 14-state Ohio River region. With input and support from community members and partners, the Ohio River Basin Alliance and National Wildlife Federation are overseeing a process to craft a plan to protect and restore the Ohio River. And we want to make sure the plan is bold and visionary, an action plan that represents the priorities of the people and communities in the region. The restoration plan will address serious threats to fish, wildlife, and people, including problems such as sewage contamination, mining waste, polluted runoff, and toxic pollution. The plan will also seek to reverse environmental injustices, including inadequate water sanitation services, unaffordable drinking water, and flooding concerns. The Regional Restoration Plan will be delivered to the U.S. Congress in 2023 with the goal of securing new federal investment to implement the plan and to provide clean, safe, and affordable water to every person in the region. So community input is vital to the plan. The National Wildlife Federation, Kentucky Waterways Alliance, Ohio River Way, and Ohio River Basin Alliance are hosting this series of listening sessions to get input on the plan from local community residents, advocates, and organizations so that local priorities can be reflected in the ultimate plan. So join us in person and have your voice heard. During the meeting, you'll hear about the restoration planning process and have an opportunity to provide input into the regional plan. And dinner will be provided. It's 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday at the Community Boathouse, and they would like you to register in advance. More information is at nwf.org for the National Wildlife Federation. Just search for Ohio River at nwf.org. Now, also, just before that, uh, from 2 to 5 p.m. on Wednesday, leaving from the Community Boathouse, there'll be a paddle on the Ohio River in Beargrass Creek in advance of Wednesday evening's listening session. The public is invited to join David Wicks of Ohio River Way for a paddle down the Ohio River and Beargrass Creek using 30-foot Voyager canoes. No prior paddling experience or equipment is necessary. Paddling on one mile of the creek, we're able to witness the impact of our community on the ecological and aesthetic environment. Through this tour, we'll learn about the unique wildlife habitat of the Beargrass Creek area as well as the Ohio River and means of preserving and reviving the area. To register for this three-hour cruise, go to eventbrite.com and search for Ohio River. Following the paddle, the National Wildlife Federation, as I mentioned, and others will be hosting this community listening session at 6.30 p.m. also at the Bose House, so you can make a full afternoon and evening of it if you'd like. All right. Now, also, wanted to let you know that the Solar Over Louisville extended enrollment deadline is coming up on Sunday, August 14th, and there'll be a final virtual Solar Over Louisville workshop this Thursday, August 11th at 7 p.m. The deadline for signing up for Louisville Metro Government and Louisville Sustainability Council's Solar Over Louisville program is fast approaching on the 14th. Signing up before August 14th means that you are expressing interest in exploring solar by having your property pre-screened for free and receiving a custom remote quote through Solar Over Louisville. 
uh, you will secure the opportunity to access a 12 to 19% discount on going solar through this program. In addition, you'll have the opportunity to access the 26% federal tax credit this year, which will be likely to be reduced to 22% next year and might be phased out altogether the following year if Congress doesn't take action. You're joining your neighbors in saving on energy costs, supporting local solar jobs, reducing greenhouse gas emissions, and helping Louisville reach our 100% clean energy goals. To date, over nearly 1,300 individuals have signed up for the program. 55 have signed contracts for solar installation, and the installations have already begun. You can learn more and sign up for Solar Over Louisville and find the final virtual Solar Over Louisville workshop scheduled for Thursday at 7 p.m. at 100, the number 100% lou.com slash the number 2040, 100%lu.com slash 2040. All right, there's several items coming up at Bernheim Arboretum and Research Forest, just south of Louisville. Several great events this week. On Friday the 12th at 10 a.m., it's From Root to Record, Exploring Bernheim's Collections Through Plant Records. It's a walking tour by the Plant Records Coordinator, Hannah Hunt. You can join her in a discussion of the importance of maintaining plant records at an arboretum, the role that records play in conservation, research, and more. Learn about their newly launched plant database, Iris BG, which is used by more than 200 gardens worldwide and explore nearly 3,000 living collection plants located on the Arboretum's grounds. You'll need to register for all of these events in advance, and you can do so at Bernheim.org. Right after that, at noon on Friday the 12th, it's Inside Bernheim, Forests and Climate Resilience. Forest protection is one of the key areas listed in the book Drawdown, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming by Paul Hawken. Because of our size and conservation efforts, Bernheim is one of the most pristine and healthiest forests in the country. This means that Bernheim attracts researchers from all over the world. The research conducted at Bernheim informs best practices in land protection and conservation. This is a free virtual program, but registration is required in advance at Bernheim.org, and it's from noon to one on Friday the 12th. Then in the evening on Friday the 12th, 6.30 to 9 p.m., they're hosting Wild Foods Sip and Stroll. Wine, elderflower, fizz, and a light appetizer, some with foraged ingredients, are the prelude to an evening stroll focused on herbal lore and wild plants used for food, fiber, medicine, and more. Join Ren Smith, Bernheim's interpretive program manager and herbal lorist, for a delightful evening of wild discoveries. There is a fee for this, and registration is required by four p.m. on Thursday at Bernheim.org. There's some other things happening on Friday the 12th as well. Right here in town, Americana World Community Center is hosting a paella and strawberry borgogna takeout dinner from 6 to 9 p.m. America's Americana's mission is to provide holistic services to Louisville's refugee, immigrant, and underserved population to build strong and healthy families, create a safe and supportive community, and help every individual realize their potential. You can support Americana's mission and their fundraising goal of $5,000 towards the youth program this very week while enjoying one of two Spanish paella meal options and a glass of Chilean strawberry borgogna. 
order one portion for your family or grab a few to host a delicious get-together for a great cause. Options include a seafood paella or a chicken and chorizo paella and strawberry borgonia made with Chilean Pinot Noir wine, strawberries fermented in sugar, and triple sec liqueur. Place your order and pick up time using the online form available through Americana cc.org slash event and do so by Thursday, August 11th in order to ensure your pickup on Friday the 12th from 6 to 9. Again, americanacc.org slash event. Alright, now on Saturday the 13th at 10 a.m., there is a free virtual workshop advocating for environmental change with Susan Goddard and Margaret Carrero. The Kentucky Resources Council concludes this year's Kentucky Environmental Leadership Institute series with this inspiring workshop featuring two Kentucky citizen activists who fought for environmental protections to defend their communities. Learn from their real-life advocacy experiences and get inspired to use your voices to promote and ensure positive environmental change. Margaret Carrero is the beloved retired biology professor and environmental advocate, and Susan Goddard is a citizen advocate from Central Kentucky. It's a free workshop, but registration is required, and you can find the link to register for the Saturday 10 a.m. free workshop at kyrc.org. Now, coming up on Monday, August 15th at 6.45 p.m. in the Shively City Hall on Dixie Highway, the Shively City Council will be discussing the proposal for the Shively Community Food Park, and your voice is needed. Most members of the Shively City Council have told organizers that they will not be supporting this important proposal to convert an unused old golf course into a community food park where food can be produced to feed hungry people. This is very discouraging news, but there has not been an official vote, and organizers will be finalizing a written proposal and calling for the council to vote on it at the next council meeting on Monday, August 15th. Organizers are trying to get people to show their support by being there and have their voices heard and get a clear answer from the council. If you'd like to speak and make a public comment, you'll need to sign up between 6.15 and 6.30 on the 15th at Shively City Hall, 3920 Dixie Highway, but the meeting starts at 6.45 and supporters can also just show up. There will be signs and fans available to show your support for the Shively Community Food Park. More information on the meeting is at shivelyky.gov events. And I want to let you know that the public comment period is through Monday, August 15th. The Clarion Corporation is requesting a permit to increase toxic air emissions in downtown Louisville. As reported on WFPL.org, a chemical company in Park Hill with a history of environmental violations has applied for a permit that would allow it to increase the cancer risk for the surrounding community. The Clarion Corporation manufactures catalysts that accelerate chemical reactions, and it's located in Park Hill near 12th and Oak. In June, the company applied for a permit with the Louisville Air Pollution Control District to install new equipment with the potential to increase air emissions of harmful pollutants including particulate matter, nitrogen oxides, and hexavalent chromium, a known carcinogen made famous by the activist and film of the same name, Aaron Brockovich. According to the EPA, Clarion currently poses the highest human health risk of the 89 facilities that release toxic air emissions in our county. The permit would allow Clarion to increase the cancer risk for the surrounding community from about 1.3 to 2.07 in a million. 
Nearby facility emissions combined with mobile sources like cars and airplanes increase the total cancer risk to around 32 in a million for those same neighborhoods. Now, this area has among the highest increased cancer in the state, according to the EPA Environmental Justice Report. Approximately 15,000 people live within a mile of the facility, and nearly two-thirds of them are black, and at least 68% are low-income. Louisville residents can publicly comment and request a hearing on the permit through Monday the 15th. All comments will be added to the public record, made available to APCD's board, and could help to drive future discussions about emissions limits. You can find the link to the permit and the comment form at WFPL.org. That's all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I look forward to being back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well. 